Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this word this morning that we're about to receive. Give us a heart to align ourselves according to the priorities that you have set in heaven. Allow us not to be disconnected, distant, and deceived. Father God, let us not be distorted and deviated, Father God, to be able to bow down to those things that are not according to your kingdom. We pray that Jesus would be the centrality of our life, that he would be the hero, that he would be the head over his church, and that we would be members of the church, and that we might participate in a manner which honors you, Lord. We pray that your word this morning would be like a good seed planted in good hearts that would produce good fruit. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a double-edged sword and cut away from our lives those things that do not honor you and are not according to your purpose and provision for our life. We pray, Father God, that this day we can rejoice for what you've done at Spring of Life, what you've done in our lives since we have bowed down to Jesus what you are doing in our families, what you will do in the future as we continue to grow closer and closer to your purposes. Now, Lord, don't allow this word to return void, Father God, to fall on deaf ears, that we not just be hearers of your word, but doers, Lord. We glorify your name and thank you, O God. This is the day you have made for us to rejoice and be glad, Lord. Set our hearts towards eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. You know, so many things are happening nowadays. They say that the dictates of um, present law in the United States over the past years, 50 million children have been killed in the womb. Now, you might think that these numbers are not big at all or you can't calculate them, but uh, destroying 50 million babies in a womb is like getting rid of all the population of Italy. This, making Italy disappear, every Italian, or getting rid of every um, uh, inhabitant of the country of Canada, just, de just deleting an entire country because of these killings. Or, uh, for those of you that are Latin America and could understand it better in these terms, it's like getting rid of every inhabitant in the country of Argentina. There would be no Argentinians um, in this world. So that is the same number of the killings that have transpired in the United States because of present laws allowing for abortions in our country. And so when you see this size of 50 million people disappearing from the planet, they're no longer present, you, you can see how it was in Exodus 1.22 when Pharaoh um, declared that all the children that were born um, were to be thrown in the, in the Nile. They were to be sacrificed. And, and you see, so Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river. Every daughter you shall save and keep alive. Uh, the vast numbers of, of people that were killed in Egypt because of this uh, decree of the king of Egypt. Uh, also in Matthew 2, 16, New Testament, under uh, Herod, 
where Herod, in uh, Matthew 2.16, he says that when Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise man, he was exceedingly angry and sent forth to put to death all the male children who were born in Bethlehem in all of its districts from two years old down and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise man, an extermination of a population. And, and I, want to, I want to suggest something that you might bring into your um, meditation, that you might contemplate, that what happens in a physical realm is only a reflection of what's happening in a spiritual realm. That what is happening is that all these lives that in the physical realm, 50 million lives that are being exterminated uh, in this genocide would be a reflection of what's taking place in the house of God with the abortions, the, um, the, the extermination of the spiritual lives that come to naught because the devil has an assignment that they would never fulfill their calling in Christ. Imagine that everything that has been lost in the physical realm, it's what is being lost in the house of God with respect to people that are not listening. Now, we go to Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 3, where the Bible says, if a man is not fulfilling the call of God upon his life, if you're not fulfilling God's calling from the time he put you in the womb, it doesn't matter how many children that you might have afterwards. It says, if a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that his days are many, but his soul has not found satisfaction, and indeed there was no burial, I say that a stillborn child, an abortion is better than he. If you, my friend, do not fulfill the call of God upon your life, it's better that you would have never lived. And so I say, what has your attention? What has your focus? What has your priority? I want to say that Jesus Christ is the head over his church. That the body of Christ, the church, is that which gives you an, an understanding. Listen, this thing about spring of life wasn't born out of the thought of my heart. It wasn't born out of the thought and design of men. In fact, the men that have been closely related to spring of life, uh, those that were responsible to groom it and to grow it, probably are the biggest enemies of this place. Uh, men who said like this, Pastor, you can count on me. I'll never leave this place. Guess where they're at right now? They're not sitting here. They're not a part of this place. So if it was up to them, and I always say like this, I say, take you, right? Take your person and times it a thousand. So now there's a thousand of you. Would this church have any chairs in it? No, because you don't tithe. You don't give to the church. You're not a part of making sure that this place is being paid for on a monthly basis. The rent, all that involves this church. So a thousand times you, what, what type of church would this be? Uh, for some of you, it's the, the first time this year you'll come to church. So you come to church once a year. What, how powerful is a church that comes together one day a year? Uh, we call them the Christmas and Easter only. CEO Christian. Christmas and Easter only. They have no impact. They have no effect. They have no substance. But what God is calling us all to be is a solid thousand members per person 
all in in your attendance, in your service, in your finances, in your priorities, what type of church would that be? Say a powerful church. A powerful church unlike any other. Um, every year we give invitations to people to exit this place. Why? Because the Bible says if you're not hot or cold, if you're lukewarm, you get vomited. You get uh, out. Why? Because the body of Christ doesn't keep lukewarm Christians. And if we're the authentic body of Christ, there has to be an outflow of trash and refuse. Those things that are not healthy have to be removed. And, and some people don't understand that. So the calling of God for Christians in the house of God is that they would be serious, that they would be solid, that they would be involved, that there would be no deception, no darkness, no chaos, no confusion. And then that is a healthy place for us to grow. Um, the Bible says that, that it's the church, Matthew uh, 16, 18, Let's make sure that we have that verse right. Um, super powerful. This, this, is, this is the premise to Christianity. He says, I'll build my church so that no force in hell can prevail against it. There's only one entity upon the earth that has power over Satan, and it's the church. And, and so the devil, knowing this reality, you, you don't have to convince the devil about what God says because he knows it's true. A lot of people don't understand that the devil is probably the one that knows that God is most serious and most true. Uh, some of us are trying to, oh, did God really mean that? Did he really say if I'm not part of the church, he's going to vomit me out? Listen to me. The devil already got kicked out of heaven. He has personal experience. That when you're rebellious and disobedient, and when you walk in a manner that doesn't honor God, whoop, out you go. And so Christians say, no, 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 he didn't really mean that. Um, there was a story of a man who kept on misbehaving in his marriage. And so he, uh, the wife would say, honey, we got to talk. No, 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 we don't have to talk. We don't have to talk. Honey. We got a problem. We don't have a problem. We don't have a problem. We don't have a problem. So every time the wife, for like six months, tried to get his attention about how serious she was about things being not right, and he was like, no, 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 no. You're not seeing it. No, no, no. And all of a sudden, um, you've been served. He starts shaking. And he's like, honey, what, what is this? She says, I told you we had a problem. I told you that there was an issue. He got served with divorce papers. She left him. And so we don't want to be that type of a person. We don't want, and, and there's been people that, that God calls and calls and calls and calls and calls, and, and then all of a sudden they find themselves disconnected. They find themselves outside. Let's go back to Matthew 16, 18. I, I want you to, to meditate in your spirit because you, you cannot receive this in the flesh. This is spiritual food for spiritual people. That is, when Jesus says, I will build my church. If, if you know what he's saying there, you will, you will read this like this. I am growing my church. And, and when it says my church, you know what I see there? I see Joaquin Molina. What do you see? You should see your name right there. 
If you're the church, you see your name as part of what the church is. Now, um, one of the guys that's here, last week he came up to me as I was talking to a guy. We were having coffee, and he's already been on his fifth church. He's just bouncing from church to church to church to church. Well, the, the church needs to be a place where you're rooted and planted. The Bible says if you're planted and rooted in the house of God, you'll flourish. You'll be fruitful. There are things that will grow in your life that won't otherwise. Um, I'll build my church. I'll build my church. What is the church? Is, is the Lord starting a construction company so that the church is a building? No, the church is not a building. In fact, we've over the years have been in like... Um, three different buildings over 18 years. We, we, we started at a little house uh, in my parents' backyard. Then we moved to a, their front. Uh, they bought a house in the front of their house, and that became where we gathered as a church. Then we went to a shopping strip, and we gathered there, and then we just moved here. It keeps on growing and flourishing because the church is a healthy place. It's a place that grows, a place that's fruitful. And we're maxed out here. Uh, truly, uh, we're seeing God just continue to grow this place. And, and we, we have prophecy upon our lives that we're going to impact the, the city of Miami. Um, this is what, when Yvette and I started getting on television, we were on television Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 uh, in the morning for the early birds. And then we were on TV from uh, 12.30 to 1 for the night owls. People sit there with a remote control, and they're eating Doritos, and they're watching what's on TV. We were there, uh, and we did that for a good two years, and, and we thought that when people saw what we were talking about, that, that, that we would just grow by leaps and bounds, and it wasn't the case. Uh, a lot of people stayed at home, and they said, we, we like church from our house, from our living How many know that that's not the church? From your house, on your living room, eating Doritos? No, um, you got to be put into the church. The Bible uses the word baptized into one body, belonging with people that love Jesus Christ. And I often tell people all the time, who, who are your favorite surrounding best friends? If they're not people that love Jesus Christ, you're sick, my friend. You're, you're sick. If the five people that surround your life don't love Jesus Christ with all their heart, mind, and soul, you want to question your allegiance and your service. Uh, the Bible says if you hang around with wise people, you'll grow in wisdom. But if you hang around with fools, you're destroyed. The influence of where you hang out will cause and influence, influence your life. You notice all those speakers that were on that video, they're champions. Wherever they are, they're, they're raising up the kingdom of God. They're serving Jesus Christ. They're loving the Lord. And so that's who I want to hang out with. I want, I want to be around people who love the Lord. Um, in heaven, the gathering will be a celebration. If you get to heaven and none of your friends are there, I think they're going to send you where all your friends are. They're going to send you. Hey, you're, you're out of place here. You notice the, your circle of influence, where your priorities and, and your, where, where your passion was, you, you need to go and, and be in that company. So... As we think about these things, think about several things. First, Jesus says he would build it. Um, the CEO, the head over this place is Jesus Christ. Amen. Some lady told me once, she says, Joaquin, you know, you're the pastor of the church. That means you do whatever you want. I said, lady, obviously you don't know Jesus Christ. He's not going to let anyone do with his church what they want. He's not going to allow it. He's the head over his church. He will build his church. 
Um, the gates of hell will not prevail. Uh, the, the word prevail is a, is a war term. It's a strategic battle. It's not a country club. There's no prevailing in a country club. You pay your dues and you participate. In the church, there's a vast war going on for the souls of men. Everything is a spiritual battle. So the Bible says the church will prevail against it. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 3. I want to start here because in this, in this uh, portion of Scripture, we see how men lose. How does man lose his place where God puts him? Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, the Bible says that there where God had placed man, there was a serpent. Some people choose to think there's no devil, right? Oh, the devil is like a cartoon. He's not for real. Um, it's a scary thing that the devil has already led you to believe he doesn't exist. Why? Because he's into three things. He's into killing, stealing, and destroying. Those three things that the devil is doing is to diminish and deplete that which God wants to give you. The serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord had, God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? This, this is where the battle starts. The battle starts in your interpretation to what God has said. Now, I, a long time ago, decided I'm not going to question what God says. I'm going to listen and do it. Because once you start playing with what God has said, uh, you're, you're into some serious trouble. So the God said, he, he said to the lady, um, has, has God said that, that there is a church? Answer, of course he said. Has God says you're to be a part of the church? Of course he said. Has God said who is part of his church? Of course he has. Um, can we distinguish between those who are genuinely the church and those that are not the church? Um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. When, when Brandon was like six years old, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit older, maybe he was nine. But Brandon came up to me, and I, I'm the pastor, right? And he's the pastor's son. He's my third boy. And he came up to me. He says, Dad. I was like, this guy's upset. And then he pointed to one of the guys that was here at church that was on our staff. And he says, that man is not a Christian. He's nine years old. And, and so they know. They know that they know. It doesn't take an adult to, to identify who loves Jesus Christ. Who has the character of Christ and is displaying. Listen, you can come to my office and you can say, Pastor, that was a great sermon. Pastor, I love this church. None of that makes you a Christian. Being a Christian is what you do when the least of these, when the, the, the most, you know, it could be a nine-year-old boy. And he could size you up in a heartbeat. Whether you love Jesus Christ, uh, whether you're passionate about the things of God, what is your priority? Where is your service? Where is your training? Uh, how, what makes you move? What motivates you? I use the example, if today I were to tell you tomorrow's Monday at 9 o'clock in the morning in Orlando, Florida, I'm going to give you $10,000 cash. Those men who would run up there are motivated by money. 
That means money makes them move. Other men, if they were told that God is going to open the windows of the heavens and pour out unto you vast provisions of his goodness, as you line up to his purpose, they move in that direction. They're not moved by money. They're not moved by the, the affairs of this life. The Bible says that, that, that the cares of this life choke your relationship with Jesus. If you're moving by the things that move people that are not um, minded in the things of God. Here, the devil is going, God has said that you shall not eat. Uh, indeed, look how he quotes them. You shall not eat of every tree in the garden. Um, the first lie is that God hadn't said what he said. The second lie is that now God is a bad God because he doesn't allow you to do anything. How many know people that interpret God like that? Well, if I can't have worldly friends, then what friends am I going to have? They twist the word of God. They don't see with clarity. Well, God says that I'm to reach out to them. So I'm reaching out as we dance on South Beach. <clears throat> Listen, don't be perverted. Don't be twisted. Don't allow, now that you're coming close to God, to begin to twist what God intended for your salvation and your protection and your peace and your joy. Don't start throwing stuffs in the stew. We, we say that the people that, that muddy the waters are unrighteous. Then the word of God comes out with clarity. It's like pure water. It's the spring water. And, and all they do is they muck it up and it all becomes shambles. Uh, they would almost convince you that it's better not to be part of the church. Have you had friends like that? Well, there's a bunch of hypocrites over there. Oh, yeah, you hang out at the bar with a whole bunch of hypocrites. It doesn't keep you from going there. You go to the nightclubs with a bunch of hypocrites. You go, there's hypocrites everywhere. But the only place where you judge hypocrisy is in the house of God. Because if you were to judge like that out there, then you wouldn't be part of that. Uh, I had a man uh, a couple months ago. He goes, no, the church is too legalistic. Okay, by legalistic, he's saying there's so many things you can't do. And I said, you know something? You're a perverted and twisted man. He's like, wow, that's like a big accusation. I said, you're a medical doctor. You've never heard a medical doctor when he's going to do surgery. How many, how many know the process of surgery? You keep the germs out. You don't sit there and say the hospital is legalistic. Because it doesn't let anybody in the operation rooms without washing their hands and gloves and the, all that it entails to not kill the patient. So if that is in the natural world, how much more in the spiritual world? Amen. To not allow some fool to distract and disconnect our children. Um, and, and so the, I told them, you call it legalism. In surgery, they call it excellence. You get rewards for having a clean place where you do surgeries where people don't get contaminated with bacteria and infections. Well, in the house of God, I choose to call it excellence. Amen. We're not going to sit there and muck the waters. Um, I, I, I always tell people that want to muck the waters to go to a church that's just like them. To go to a church where people don't care, where they don't serve, where they don't love God, where they don't love family. Because God's serious about church. He's super serious about church. Here, the devil was telling the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree? Hasn't God said, uh, did God really mean that you're going to starve to death? 
Verse 1 is, is very, a, a predicament. We, we could stop right here and, and ask you, is your devotion to Christ, is your devotion to Christ um, devoid of reality and substance, genuineness? Where, where is our, you know, I say that, that the, the church of God needs to be healed, needs to be forgiven, needs to be set free so that we could go out to the world with purity. As, as I tried to deliver a message to my cousin um, yesterday, as I tried to speak to him something from the Lord that would be beneficial to him, his family, his children, he kept on pointing to people that were in Christianity that were fakes. Every time I talked to him, he says, yeah, but John, yeah, but Peter, yeah, but there's a family down the street Well, there was one pastor where there was one church, and he kept on bringing all types of disgenuine members, Christians, that say they're Christians, but they're not. And that's how he would defend himself and justify him not getting right with his wife and his two children in a proper place. In other words, that uh, until there's authenticity of our devotion to Christ, we're, we're keeping a lot of people out. There was one case, I, I started inviting this guy for five years, I invited him to church. And he wasn't attending a church, so for five years I was saying, come out to our church, come out there. Finally, he was so embarrassed on the fifth year, he says, Joaquin, let me be real frank with you. The reason I don't go to your church is because there's a guy there named John, and when I go to John's house with my wife, to a gathering, John, at the end of the party, he charges me for the hot dogs we ate at his party. Here, I'm John's pastor. So if John is like that, his pastor has to be like that too. Now, if you saw John more than you saw yourself, you missed the whole illustration. You should have seen yourself in that illustration. Then my next door neighbor says, I'm not going to go to church because Peter is having sex with Steve's wife. Because Jose is stealing when he does mechanic work on, on George's car. And so if in our devotion to Christ, the realities are that we're not authentic that we're allowing the devil to muck the waters. We're, we're allowing the devil to say, no, there is a garden, but you can't eat of any trees. So, the, so in verse 2, the woman tries to defend a little bit her clarification to the devil. I, I want to say something, and this is for the benefit for probably 80% of you. You're not supposed to be talking to the devil. That's where, you, that's where you're out to lunch in the first place. If you're going back and forth with the devil, you're having the wrong conversation. You can tell the devil what Jesus taught us to tell the devil. Get thee behind me. Right. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to explain to you. Uh, and one of uh, uh, the illustrations we had on, on Wednesday night, uh, again, I'm telling you guys, if you're a serious Christian, you're coming on midweek Bible studies. What God is given here on midweek is serious. He says that he was gathered with the 12 and he would reveal the parables. But to the multitude, it wasn't given to understand the kingdom. So a lot of you are going to be beheaded by the Antichrist because you're not going to go on the rapture because it's not your first devotion. It's not your first priority. 
So being at the table when the Lord is breaking bread, incidentally, we had the Lord's Supper the first week of April, um, and so you're missing out with the Lord's table. You're not one of his inner circle. You're not one of his uh, close followers. So here it is. Um, if, if the devil approaches and is offering you a facade and distancing from your devotion where you're not growing closer to the Lord, something is definitely wrong. I've, I've stood behind this pulpit for over 18 years telling those that have come, what must I do that your devotion to Christ might draw nearer? What, what do I need to do? Where is the clarity missing? Um, Alistair Begg, which is one of my favorite preachers in, in Ohio, says like this. He says that when he preaches to his church, he'll have people waiting for him on the way out, and they'll say, Pastor, I see you struggling behind the pulpit and straining to explain the heart of God. Let me just tell you that you're being clear as water, and I just don't feel like it. That's what they tell them on the way out. I, it's not that I don't understand. It's not that I'm missing it. You're being super transparent on what the Lord's desire is, and the issue lies within me. I'm just not prepared to surrender. So that, that, that there is, is at the heart of the matter, surrender. The woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the garden. We may eat of all the trees. Verse 3. God has opened provision. I, I want to tell you something. Um, whenever you don't see any provision, that's a lie of the devil. A lot of people says, well, I have to do what's wrong in order to get provision. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Your vast provision of prosperity is in the clarity of the heavens. He's a giving God. He's an abundant giving God. If you're not receiving abundance... You are paying attention to something else and not aligned with the windows of the heaven. He says, I'll open up the heavens. You'll get so much provision, you won't have room enough to hold it all. You, there won't be, I mean, it's just powerful. It's powerful. Um, the attitudes in the house of God, which is submission to authority, obedience, um, respect, honor, all these principles you need out there. If you're walking out there... well. The peak of the iceberg is in the house of God. I see you once a week, right? In the house of God, I see no honor, no respect, no obedience, no, no submission to authority. I said, These guys, they cannot prosper out there. The Bible says that Daniel was excellent ten times above his peers. What means? He was more obedient, more submissive, more honorable, more diligent. He had the character of prosperity. So, so it's very important that you're being trained and groomed up in the house of God to be a champion outside. God says we can eat of every tree that is in the garden, but God has says you shall not eat nor you shall touch the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not, nothing's going to happen to you. Look what it says, verse 4. Nothing will happen to you. The paradigms, the parameters, what God has set as truth, it won't have any effect in reality. How many say that's a lie? It's a lie. Every line that God draws, every instruction he gives, every measure, every reality, every value is for man's prosperity. 
If you diminish the value, you diminish the priority, you diminish the principle, you, you play with the recipe. I learned this really quick when I was 10 years old. Leanne went in, my sister went into the, she, was, she must have been 10, I must have been 8, two years apart. She goes in with the Girl Scouts. They're all in the kitchen making chocolate chip cookies. They made a, a batch of chocolate chip cookies and, and they gave us one. Here, here's your one cookie. I said, I don't want one. I want a whole batch of cookies. So when they left, I went into the kitchen, and I grabbed the flour. I grabbed the sugar. I grabbed the chocolates. I made a batch. I put them in the oven. I ate pure crap. It was horrible. Why? I didn't have the recipe. I wasn't doing things the way they should have been done to get the final result. So a lot of us Christians are like that. We want to mix and mingle the principles. We want to play with the batch, and we're eating a bunch of crap. We're not getting what God intended because we are breaching with all the recipe. I want a husband. You're not going to have a husband until hell freezes over because husbands aren't into looking for witches. Let me get over here before they throw a Bible at me. You know what a husband is looking for? Something attractive. Somebody who respects their dad. Oh, no. Why would you say that? Because that's what a wife is. She, the Bible says that she cares for her father's house, for his last name. And these are the women that get another last name called a husband. But if you're flushing your dad's name down the toilet, your dad says red, you say black. Your dad says blue, you say purple. That, my friend, is the definition of a witch. You're rebellious. There's no, there's no godly fear in that. So you know when you're going to get a husband? Say it with me, never. Never. You're never going to have a husband. Because a husband isn't into going through heartaches every day of his life. But if you're God-fearing... If you love God and, and you press into obedience and honor, there's your provision. There, you're, you're running the opposite way. The devil has, has, has your lunch. You've believed him greater than you have believed God. And so these are, the serpent says, you will not die. You, you could not listen to everything God says and, and you'll be sitting pretty. Say, liar. 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 The businessmen are the, the greatest deceived people upon the earth. I walked into Grand Cayman, which is a business financial center of the world, and the man says, oh, my God. I was like, what is making this man sad? He goes, you don't understand. The people who haven't paid me for the last six months, I miscalculated the 2% that they owe me every month for six months. Oh, my God. The guy's a billionaire. The guy's a billionaire, and he's crying over a brief percentage, and, and then in spiritual truths and matters, he has no concern. He doesn't know if the line is, is precision or, or far, and he's losing the treasure and the wealth of heaven because his eyes are, the Bible says, these people are, are straining the gnat and swallowing the camel. They're being concerned. My, my friend, the engineer, is he here? Louis? Louis, are you here? Louis was building my house five years ago together with our illustrious architect, Manny. 
And, and Louis was like doing calculations for the, the winds that blow in Miami for the last 40 years. And he's like, Pastor, I'm going to make sure your house doesn't fly away. <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing the math. Engineers love numbers. He's like, I was like, build the house. Forget the numbers. No, 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 no. And, and, and if it's 67 wind-blowing factor, I'm going, come here, Louis. Come here. How come you are so meticulous at your engineering and math skills and your family is blowing away? Your daughter is blowing away. You, you don't concern yourself with this manner of expertise in, you do in profession, but you don't do in, God said that you'll lose, what's that, what's that verse say, verse 4 again? You're not surely going to die. You could fudge it. You, you, you could not do a foundation. Everything's going good. You're not going to die. There's Nothing's going to happen to you. Listen to me. We got to stop this. We got to, and, and I told them too, I said, listen to me. I would rather my house fly away in a 500 mile an hour windstorm every day before you lose your daughter. It, it strikes us as bizarre. Now, if you were looking at Louie during that illustration and not looking at you, you missed it again. If you weren't, as precise and meticulous as God wants you, don't believe the devil that you're not going to die. You're going to diminish everything God had planned from you from since you were in your mother's womb. Verse 5, I've got to finish this. For God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open. Listen to me, my friends. You don't want to see anything God doesn't want you to see. Don't let the devil open your eyes to this wonderful life where God is not a part of it. Somebody told me, Joaquin, since you became a Christian... You become brainwashed. I said, listen to me. If what I'm living is not true, don't wake me up. If, if putting God in place where I have him in place according to scripture that establishes peace, joy, and righteousness, if taking these things out so that I might live a life, I, I wasn't intended to live without God. Any, th any strength and ability that I might have in the natural, I want to get rid of so that I'm vulnerable and weak. So that I need God. I never not want to need God. In fact, that's, that happened in my law practice. Many guys just said, well, you do this deal, my friend, and you're set for life. I don't want to be set for life. I want to be in the Father's arms. I want to be taken care of by Him every day. I want to need Him. I want to call upon him. I want to seek him. I want to knock. I want to, I want to participate and, and not be God. He says, the day you decide that you're not going to listen to God, your eyes will be open. You'll know how to do things. You will be like God. If you're like God, you don't need God. If you're calling all the shots, if you're, uh, I was talking with, with Carlos, a friend of mine, um, uh, Carlos Estrada, and I said, Carlos, I never want to get to the place where I add, subtract, multiply, and divide, and I discount God from my life. I don't, I don't want to get to that place where, where even the devil will, put, will take you there. He says he took Jesus to a high mountain and says, if you bow down, you won't need God. 
I'll, I'll give you the glory. I said, devil, thank you, but no thank you. Don't take me to a place of strength where I diminish the need for God in my life. Amen. I want to seek him every week. I want to come to the house of the Lord. I don't want to miss out one time in his presence. The Bible says in verse 6 that she took on the devil's, she took on the devil's invitation because she was seeing that the tree was good for food. I don't need God now because I got my food taken care of. I don't need to go to church to pray. I don't need to tithe no more because I am so blessed. I could do without tithing. I don't need God's favor. Pleasant to the eyes, good for food, attractive to the eyes, and desirable to make one wise. I could even sit back and let people see how fantastic I am without God. People say, Joaquin, you're using God as a crutch. I said, no, my friend, you're wrong. I'm using him as a wheelchair. I'm not crutching around. I'm, give, me, give me one of those beds that I can lay out and let the Lord push me along, and I'm fine. I want to acknowledge that I need him in my marriage. I need him in my finances. I need him with my children. I need him in my purpose and provision and protection. I need God. I need God all the time. He, if you see my life, and you guys saw that video, this, this is a result. It's humanly impossible to attain to the glory of God. To be in the realm of God's purpose upon the earth. Listen to me. This is what God wants for all of us. If we surrender. If we say, like that man said in, in, in Revelations, where he says, I have need of nothing. That's a scary thing, people. I don't need to come to church because I make a good living. I make a six-figure income. Look what he says here in, in Revelations chapter 3. Start reading in verse 17. These are, these are the lukewarm people that he vomits out of his mouth. Who are these? He says, you say I'm rich to the point of becoming wealthy. I have need of nothing. I'm satisfied. Pastor, why are you making me draw near to God? Why do you want me to read the Bible and to align myself up with the heavens? I need nothing. And you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You don't know you're missing the best part of what God has for your life. Verse 18, so he says, So I advise you to buy from me the precious gold refined in fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. Uh, what we're trying to say this morning is have God give you a spiritual vision for what the church is. What, you know, the diminished factor of people being plugged in the church strips them from the resources of heaven. To, we, we say this with our book, What is a Man?, a man is not a real man until he plugs into the local church and becomes what Jesus Christ wants him to become. You don't even know what manhood is outside of the church. Uh, the Bible says out there the people are posing and they've become selfish. The last day will be dangerous times because men will be lovers of themselves. But to come to church and to be plugged in with Jesus Christ first and foremost, to be plugged in with God's people Second, his ideology for 
um, not eating what you should not be eating. Let's go back and finish this in Genesis 3, verse 7. And verse 6, she saw that it was good for food, pleasant for the eyes, desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband. She gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Uh, one of the things that's been breaking my heart in the last six months really heavy as I go to minister to men, right? Because our calling is to seek and save lost man. That God has given man an instrumentality so he would not be alone. It's called woman. I am blown away by the amount of women that have their husband focusing on things that don't concern God. They, they, they have cantaletas, you know, none of which connects their man to getting close to his heavenly father. And so, not, not in the church, obviously. We're not going to go there because we don't want to challenge anybody. But outside, if you were um, as an attorney, there was a principle in forensic evidence. And they always said, follow the money. So it's a principle, it's a concept. It says, if you follow the money, you'll find the crime or the criminal. And if we were to do that, undoubtedly, it would go back to the heart of a woman. The Bible says wicked women led their husbands to devotion to foreign altars. And the wisest man that ever lived, if you follow his heart, the wisest man, Solomon, his heart was led astray to devotion to false God because of his wife, because of his many wives. So, so there is also a concept there that as we consider these things, and, and today we're seeing how the woman is being deceived in her craftiness, in her ability to sway the influence of her, the husband, her, heart's husband, her husband's heart. That, and we said this before, the diminishing of the inheritance of men in the kingdom with regards to their call is because of the woman next to them that has confounded and confused and distorted. I believe as our wives start learning wisdom and connect to the heart of God and not to pride, not to, I can't believe they said that. Um, one of the men here was sitting next to me on a road trip back, and, and he actually called, or, or the wife of one of his friends called him, and I thought it was his wife, man. She went on without taking a breath for like 30 minutes. I go, poor man. This is Lily. I was with Lily. I was next to George. I go, poor. I look, George has to put up with this. It wasn't her. It was somebody's wife that was calling George. I could not believe it. A sweet, quiet, and gentle spirit is pleasing to the Lord. Let's stand. I know today has been a barrage, but there's no way to contain a storm. I pray that you, be, you 
participate and join the, the strength of the winds that blow from heaven that are going to do great things upon the earth in the last days. When Paul is writing to many of his churches in Colossians 2, 18, Colossians 2, 18, he says these words, that no one cheat you out of what God has for you. Another translation, don't let nobody deceive you out of getting what God has for you and your family. And they go off in taking delight in other worship. You know, whatever you're involved in, if you're, if you're being distracted and disconnected and cheated out of this reward, the devil has you serving and having other things as priority. Verse 19, he says, the true reward comes to those who hold fast to the head, to those who become part of the body that are nourished and knitted together who grow and increase, who, who become what God intended them to become as they're connected to the head and the body. And this puts it all together. Don't be cheated out of, out of your reward. Early on in my Christian walk, the people says, well, define that for me a little bit. I said, look, do everything God is calling you to do and then do everything else you want. It's not like God is depriving you because, tr trust me, everything that was my heart's desire in life has been found as I've lain, li lined up with my devotion to Christ. Everything at, at large level. So I believe the devil is diminishing and distracting and disconnecting the entire of us who have been led... No, God hasn't said like that. Your eyes are going to be open. You're, going to, you're not going to need God. All that disconnecting you from the head and from his body is cheating you out of your reward. Father, thank you for this day you have made. We have heard your word. More than that, we have felt your heart. Allow us to receive and not be cheated out of those things that you have prepared for those who love you. Fill us with your spirit. Heal our bodies. Align our thoughts with the word of God. That it be our passion. You said that if it would be our meditation day and night, everything we do would prosper. We pray, Father God, that you forgive us our other pursuits and devotion and practices. That you would be the head. That we would be knitted to the body. That we would serve the bride of Christ that we would passionately carry the charge of being your church. We pray, Father God, that you draw us near through your spirit and that you allow us to see the, the machinations or the snares of the evil one that wants to trap us like it did the first man and woman. Don't make those things attractive that are not from you, Lord. That it, our eyes would not lure us away from your beauty. We give you thanks for this day you have made, Lord, that we might celebrate and worship you in the house of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.